Hey, welcome to our podcast. I'm Phil Stringer, worship and creative arts pastor at Calvary Church. We hope you'll find something every week that inspires you and encourages you in your faith. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen so that you'll never miss an update. Hope you enjoy the message. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You can be seated. Those of you here, those at home, stand up. (laughs) I want to talk to you this morning about life in the early church. And uh, a pastor of scripture that most pastors avoid. But since I'm not running for office, (laughs) and you can't elect me, I'm going to preach uh, the whole thing today. Acts chapter 4, beginning with verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Verse 32, now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul, neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. With great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked for all who were possessors of lands or houses, sold them, brought the proceeds of the things that they sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each as anyone had need. And Joseph, who was named Barnabas by the apostle, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not your own in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all of those who heard these things, and the young men arose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened, and Peter answered her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She said, yes, for so much. Then Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? The feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door. They will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead and carrying her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church. I guess so. (laughs) And all who heard these things. These verses are probably some of the most misunderstood verses in the Bible, especially in regard to resources. This is the New Testament church that now has begun to gain importance. It's chapter 4. We know what had happened in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. Now they're moving forward with power and strength. The stage is set. They've now encountered a great deal of opposition in the first part of chapter 4. The opposition being that there was a man that was healed and the leaders of the community came against the apostles and said, we don't want this kind of stuff going on in our town. We want it stopped. 
So the church finds himself at a great place of warfare. The religious leaders of the day have come against them, so they are coming together to pray. We see in the last part of chapter 4 how they begin to pray unto the Lord. And then in verse 31, the Bible says, The place was shaken as a result of their praying. As we look at this first century church, there's some foundational principles that are important for us as we move together as a church in these days. Verse 31 says, when they prayed, the place was shaken. The first and foremost thing about this first century church was that they were people of prayer. You see, it's a difference between people who pray, who are hoping for things to happen, and people who are praying with the Word of God being worked out in them as a result of their praying. Here, chapter 4, verse 24 on down, they begin to pray. They begin to recount how God, how God had ministered in the past. They begin to quote the Psalms. They're saying, Lord, the thing that you promised, we're living this out. And we pray for the intervention of your power and spirit into the circumstances of our lives. Is there ever been a time that the church doesn't need to pray? It's more important even now. How many know that we're, we're not just dealing with flesh and blood, we're dealing with principalities and powers? There's more going on here than what meets the eye on the surface. And the church needs to be praying. The officials had forbid them to preach and now they're dealing with that situation. But these are people who were locked into God's eternal purpose in their lives. May God help us to pray as people who understand the calling of God and the purpose of God in our lives. The second thing about this church was they were people filled with the Holy Spirit. As we move here into chapter 4, the Holy Spirit is being outpoured again. As a result, they spoke the Word of God with boldness. It means confidence. They walked in the confidence not only of who they were, but in the fact that the Lord was working, moving, and ministering to them and through them. So they were people filled with the Spirit. How many think in the middle of a pandemic, we need to be filled with the Spirit? People of the Spirit. The third thing that was so powerful about this church is that they were people of purpose. Verse 32 says, they are one heart and one mind. Unity of purpose, unity of direction, unity of expression. Paul, as he spoke to church at Philippi, had words to say like this, I want to hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. He said, fulfill ye my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. We're in the, in the midst of a transition and uh, uh, I, whoever you are, whether you're home or here, uh, you've already tried to come up with, uh, you, know, uh, you know, what do we need our next pastor to be? And uh, you, maybe you've, uh, our, our search committee uh, has done a, a profile of that, but I know everybody's done their own profile. This is what I'm looking for, this is what I'm looking for, this is what I'm looking for. One of the processes that the Holy Spirit is gonna work in us and through us during these days is to get us all together in one mind and one accord so we can all hear what God's saying. Well, thank you both of you. Because what matters more than what you think what matters more than your friends on Facebook think is what God thinks. And I know he has a plan. I said, I know he has a plan. And I know he 
knows who our next leader will be. The question is, can we come together, hundreds of us, and become people of one mind and one accord, ready to respond to what the Holy Spirit says? Hallelujah. The characteristic of this great church, they were one mind and one accord. Every great church, people are singing off the same page. They're in one mind and one accord. That's the characteristic of a great church. Churches that have tr problems and issues, they've got 15 different things going on. You know, when I went to my church in North Carolina many years ago, I met with the leaders, there were 10 leaders in our church, and I said, uh, what's, uh, why does this church exist? That's a good question. I got 10 different answers. How many understand if you get 10 different answers from, from the same group of leaders, you got trouble in River City? But when the Holy Spirit's working in our lives, we submit our agendas to the work of the Holy Spirit and I have confidence that God will bring us together to be people of one mind and one accord because that's God's plan. That's God's desire. And so the foundation of that church was they were people of prayer, they were people full of the Holy Spirit, and they were people of purpose. One mind, one soul, one heart. That was the first century New Testament church. The second thing here is the fruit that came from this church. Verse 32, neither said any of the things that, that he had, he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. There are some people who've taken that passage of scripture and made it become a, some kind of socialism. That's not what the Bible is teaching here. The Lord gives room for the enterprise of gifts that each of us have. It doesn't say that everybody became on an equal base and equal plane financially, that's not what it says. It says every man understood who owned his possessions. Every man recognized who he was possessed by, and it was Jesus. They had all things in common, and God has given room for all of our different gifts and talents and abilities to be developed and exercised in the context of his kingdom. All things in common does not mean that they had all the same thing. No one said of the things that he possessed was his own. They were acknowledging ownership to the Lord. So two things were in focus here in this first century church. You should have said amen earlier because it's gonna get rough now. <laughs> two things were in focus here. The, the first century New Testament, church, New Testament church understood two things. Number one, everything I have belongs to the Lord. My friend John Maxwell tells the story of uh, when his son was young, uh, they went to McDonald's and they... Uh, they bought uh, a Happy Meal for his eight-year-old. And they're sitting there together and uh, his son is eating the, hap the Happy Meal and dad reaches over and takes one of the fries. And his son gets upset. Those are my fries. What do you mean taking my fries? See, here was the problem with that little discussion is, he forgot who bought the fries. See, that's the problem with some of us. We forgot who bought the fries. 
So when the Lord wants a fry, we get all been out of shape. There it is. They just want us giving money again. Really? See, if you know who bought the fries, then you understand what this church was doing. They were saying, you know what? Everything we have belongs to the Lord. He is our source. And we've talked about this over the last several weeks, and I, the Holy Spirit keeps bringing me back to this for some reason. So somebody, somebody may need this. That everything you have that's yours has potential for hurt for your life, but everything that belongs to the Lord has supernatural power in it. Everything I have belongs to the Lord. That's what they were saying. Secondly, where there was a need, they believed that the Holy Spirit would direct them and how to minister and meet those needs according to how people had needs. People sold things and the Holy Spirit impressed upon them things to sell and release. They did so and they gave the money to the work of the Lord. The scriptures, they laid it at the apostles' feet. They brought it to a place where they knew how it was going to be handled, how they knew how it was going to be used from people they trusted, the leaders of the church. So then we come to the two examples. Two cases brought, bringing this into focus. The one is Barnabas. The other is Ananias and Sapphira. Now Barnabas is mentioned here, and he's the spirit, the picture of a Holy Spirit distribution. The Bible says his name was changed. The apostles changed his name. They gave him the name Barnabas. Why? Because he was the son of consolation. He was a man who got impressed to take and sell some land and give the money, and he responded out of love, and he did it. The apostles had surnamed him Son of Consolation, our ministry of comfort. He's a man who could be relied upon. This church is filled with people like that. Barnabas, Barnabas became a tool in the hands of the Lord for later ministry. He's introduced to us here in Acts chapter 4. But you read on down through the book of Acts and you find that Barnabas was the man that God used to mentor and disciple the Apostle Paul. Very significant person. Barnabas also used to take the gospel into newer areas and new arenas and new regions of the world. He's introduced here as a man who released himself and his resources to God. The second picture is Ananias and Sapphira. I wish they weren't here. I've heard all kinds of strange things about these people. But I want to honor them for just a moment this morning because nobody does. The Bible says they took and sold a possession that they had. I've heard people make cases for these two examples that are very false, that are completely false. Well, you know, Barnabas sold everything and God blessed him and Ananias and Sapphira didn't and God struck them dead. That is not, is anybody hearing me? That is not what the passage says at all. That's not what it teaches. It has nothing to do with that. In fact, it never said that Barnabas sold all. It says he sold some property that he had. It did not say he sold everything he had. It doesn't say that Ananias and Sapphira sold everything either. It says they sold something. They did it very sincerely. They were responding to what God was saying to them and they sold that property and then they got scared. What's gonna happen if we give this money? They became afraid. The scripture says they weren't required to sell anything. They were not required to give one thing. They felt moved on by God to do it. 
And so they sold property and got the money in their hands. But apparently they had made a proclamation to the whole church. We're going to give the sale of that land, all of it, to the ministry, to the Lord. Verse 4 says, whilst it remained, was it not your own? After it was sold, was it not in your own power? You didn't have to give it. Why has you conceived this thing in thine heart to lie to God? You see, the problem was they claimed they were giving all of it, and they didn't. That's where the problem came in. And there's a tremendous principle for all of us this morning. When we begin to clutch and hold on things, deception comes as a result. And the spirit of fear always leads to deception. They became very fearful. The next step was deception on their part. Fear overwhelmed them. There are people going through the last several months and, and, and because, because this has shaken the foundation of your life and your own money and your own finances, there comes this fear. I better stop giving. I better hold on to what I have. I read somebody's mail just then. I better hold tight to what I got. You see, the fear of not having enough will always come at you. I just don't, I, you know, I know I said that I was going to do that, but you know what? I'm, I, I think I'm just going to hold tight where I'm at. That fear that they experienced that led them to be deceptive. Their fear overwhelmed them, and then they lied about it. That's where the problem came in. The result is that both of them died. I don't know what brought about their death. The Bible says some people's hearts fail them for fear. The overwhelming point of the confrontation with the truth was this is what they did, but I know this, both of them died. Chapter 5, verse 11 says, and I want you to get the picture. Ananias comes down and, and they question at the church and, and uh, next thing you know, he's, he's on the ground. They come, haul him out of the building. His wife shows up three or four hours later and the apostles inquire of her and she lies too. I don't have all the answers to that, but I know that the Bible says both of them were carted out dead. I want you to imagine now what would happen here in Greensboro because before, if we took this to, to, to 19 or to 2020, uh, we would not be out of the building before we are texting everybody we know. You would not believe what just happened at our church. Somebody died for lying to God. I mean, that'll scare you spitless, right? Yes. So the word gets out, obviously. Not as quick as it would today. That's the church where people died at the altar. Well, you know what? Let, uh, there's no need to even now from this point forward, there's no need for us to even 
uh, live stream this. I mean, we're going we're gonna to be social distancing now forever. Let's see what other churches there might be, be out here that, that we can go to. We ain't going back there. I'm scared to death. Can, can you imagine that emotion? Can you imagine those feelings? I'm, I'm telling you, I'm not exaggerating this. Great fear, is what the Bible says, great fear came upon all the church. You, you would think that they... Uh, they would shut the church down, right? But what happened is mind-boggling. After that event, after that incident, we come down to verse 12. The opposite of what you would think would happen, happens. There was a release that happened in that church and verse thrust through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch, yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly, and believers were added to the church, multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought the sick. Is anybody hearing this? And they brought the sick into the streets, and laid them on beds and couches that the shadow even of Peter might overshadow some of them. Multitudes out of the cities round about Jerusalem bringing sick folk and then they were vexed with unclean spirits and they were all healed, every one of them. Signs and wonders were wrought. Multitudes were added to the church. Sick were healed. They were healed, every one. All were healed. Now you tell me. How do you go from a moment that we just described to something breaking loose in that church? It's undeniable that what happens in verse 12 through 18 had a correlation to what happened before that. I mean, you can be in denial if you want. I'm just telling you what the truth says. There must have been something of people holding back. There must have been something of people not surrendering what they had. There's something that happened. Here's what I know. The power of God broke loose in that church. Miracles started happening. People are being healed. People are, are being blessed. Miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle starts to happen in this church. There was a correlation between what happened at the last part of chapter four and the release of what happens in chapter five. As people released resources to God, wherever they were, doing what the Lord said do, God will always honor his word. God will always honor his word with people who refuse to live their lives with a clenched fist, but people who will live their lives with an open hand. And if you understand all that you have belongs to the Lord, then you don't have a problem giving him a fry. Somebody at home just went to the kitchen to get something to drink. 
I was in Arkansas several years ago speaking to several hundred ministers from across the state. I was doing a leadership training thing. It was in Hot Springs, Arkansas at a large hotel. And we were in the big, uh, one of the big banquet rooms. I had talked uh, that morning with uh, hundreds of pastors there. And we took a lunch break. And we came back after lunch, uh, the district superintendent there, who was out in garrison in those days, asked if there were prayer requests and prayer needs. And so several people had prayer requests and things that they, they shared, pastors and leaders that were there. And one prayer request came of a, of a, a widow, her husband had been involved uh, as a leader in the, in the district there for, uh, for many, many years, and he had gone to be with the Lord, and, and she now was a widow alone, and uh, she was having a difficult time uh, making the payment on her little house. And so there was a prayer request that came asking that the Lord would provide for this widow what she needed. And so we prayed for all the requests and all the needs. And while we were praying, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, I want you to pay for that lady's house here today. Now I'm the guest speaker. <laughs> and so in a moment, I just re reached over to the district superintendent and I said, I, the Holy Spirit's just impressing upon me that we today should pay for that widow's home. There's three or 400 in the room. So I, I said, said, can we get her on the phone? She wasn't there. Can we get her on the phone? Somebody got her on a cell phone and asked her, how much do you owe on your house? And she said, $28,000 which he owed to pay that, that house off. And so I just got up. I said, the Holy Spirit has just spoken to me and told me that we need to pay for that house today. And a pastor in the back of the room, he said, I'll give the first thousand. And a pastor over here said, I'll give the next thousand. And over here said, I'll give the next thousand. And within five minutes, we had $36,000. Come on, somebody rejoice. And I said, get her back on the phone. And we called her back on the phone and the superintendent was able to say to her, sister, don't you worry another moment, the pastors in, this, in the room here in Hot Springs just paid off your house. And you could hear her screaming, you know. Isn't that fun? You, you could hear her screaming on the other end of the line. But what happened next, I never expected. The Spirit of God just began to cover that banquet room. I stepped back, put the mic down, and for 45 minutes, people were worshiping God. People were praising God. 
in the middle of that. I mean, nobody was leading it. People just were spontaneously worshiping and praising and glorifying the Lord. In the middle of that, one of, there was a pastor's wife who had been in a car accident and she was in, was in a complete back brace. She was up in the room because uh, of uh, dealing with pain, but she wanted to be there with her husband at the conference. She came down from that room while this was going on, walked and stepped into the back of that banquet hall. Somebody just walked over and just touched her on the back and immediately she was healed by the power. Took the back brace off and started running up and down the aisles. People started coming to Mike and saying, you know what, there's been something wrong with my attitude and my spirit. I'm asking God to forgive me today. And for 45 minutes without anybody leading it, the Holy Spirit invaded that place. It was a catalyst moment for that in the entire state of Arkansas for those pastors. All of it happened in a moment of release. I said all of it happened in a moment of release where people were taking what they had, doing something, super, something that God had ordained in a moment's time and the release brought release in every kind of arena imaginable. The pastors still talk about that day because it, was a, it changed the whole attitude of that entire state. Is anybody getting this? You see, I don't know what the Lord's saying to you. I don't know what the Lord's telling you. All I ask you to do is be obedient to what the Lord says to you. Amen. Just be obedient to what the Lord's saying to you, whatever that might be. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm just talking about everything about your life. We've been in a mess for six months. But I believe that we are on the brink of the greatest revival we have ever known. I said, I believe we're on the brink of the greatest move of God we've ever known. As the people of God align themselves with Him and acknowledge, you know what? We can't do this on our own. We can't pull this off on our own. God, we just need your spirit to invade our lives. We need your spirit to invade our church. We need your spirit to invade every part of us. And so today, Lord, we submit our way. Do what you need to do in us. Is anybody ready? Do what you need to do. Come on, stand with me all over the auditorium. We're going to worship the Lord. Worship team, come out and lead us. We're just going to take a few minutes and just worship the Lord.